0: you <music>
1: Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? You okay? Hey, little one, how are you? Oh, you going back to mama? That's a good idea. Well, why don't you stand today and let me open in prayer. Father, we wanna to come to you today with a, with a recognition, God, and an awareness that everything we have is a gift from you. We don't deserve anything. Yet you choose to bless us anyway. And so, God, as we sing out your praise, as we, in many ways, God, as we as we sing scripture, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would change our hearts and make us even more grateful for the kindness and the mercy and grace that you have bestowed upon us. God, that the words that come out of our lips would be an overflow of thankfulness in our hearts for who you are. Lord, we give you in today's service and we pray, God, that you would be blessed, that you would move. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: Good morning, Heartland. There's joy in this house this morning. Amen.
3: this morning and this part of the Psalms 46 just came into my spirit drive it into Mississauga be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth the Lord of Hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge. God, holy and mighty, is with us. He's with us. Now you we take that as a church and he's with us, but if you're going through, if you're going through something, I want you to know that God is with us. With you. I said to as a pre-service prayer, we need to take that time to be still, to be still in his presence and to know him. Can we sing that part again? Holy, holy? holy. God Almighty. So, God, humbly we come before you, but yet through Christ we come before you with confidence and we cry unto you, Abba, Father. God, you know us. You know us. God, I pray right now that you would reveal yourself to us, that God, we would sense your presence. And that, God, you are here. That you are here, not in a building, but in a body that's been given to you. One that you have adopted and called your child. That, God, you are here with us. So, God, we give you praise. We give you glory. God, we give you what you are worthy of, our our very life and breath. God, it's yours. Be glorified. Be glorified, oh God. And Lord, I pray for needs and situations. I pray for those, oh God, who are are sick, who are going through treatments, those right now. now. God, we represent those who are sick. Lord, we lift them to you right now. And ask, God, that you would move by your spirit And that, God, you will bring healing and strength into lives for your glory and for your honor. And that, God, you would, by your spirit, accomplish your will, your plan, and your purpose. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you, before you're seated, turn around, greet one another. Tell someone God is good. Would you do that? Now have a smile when you do that. you got to smile. God bless you. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. Amen. We are glad you're here today. We want to welcome you. If you're visiting with us, we welcome you. We have our two granddaughters with us today. Yeah, we only have two granddaughters, and they're both here. Isn't that nice? I think they want a free lunch, but Paul will probably do that. Paul will probably do that. Amen. If you're visiting with us, if you haven't been here before or haven't filled out a communication card, (laughs) you'll see in one of the seats in front of you a communication card. If you take a couple minutes and fill that out and take it to the uh, information desk, the guest services at the back, uh, we have a Tim's card for you and uh, we just want to welcome you and uh, glad that you are here with us. Uh, A couple things just to bring to your attention. Uh, This is from John. The The 2023 income tax receipts, they will be emailed out to you on Tuesday. And if you are unsure whether we have your email, please send it to heartland at a churchconnected.ca, uh, or you can also call the office. Or if you know of someone, or if someone doesn't have an email that we send out things to, uh, please contact the office, and you can do that. You can call Heba, who works in the office. She's at 905 568 4696. Uh, and John will also be here on March 3rd to answer any questions that you have. So if you have any questions about income tax receipts, wait and ask John, okay? <laughs> All right, thank you. But, uh, or we can help you in the office during the week. Uh, next Sunday is our farewell service for Pastor Fraz and family. And we really want to invite you and encourage you to come come and show your love and support for them as they they move on. And we just want to bless them as they do that. There is an album out on a table out there for you to write notes. Uh, Or as we mentioned last week, if you want to send in something or bring something in, typed in, we will add that to the scrapbook or to the memorial album. And just something for them, part of us to go with them, just to express our love and appreciation to them. You can send something to us if you want at connect at a churchconnected.ca. Now, an important part, please listen. We need you to bring in some desserts. All right? And as Pastor said, he likes butter tarts with raisins. All right? Last week. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But um, uh, they're always uh, a, good, a good thing. Uh, if you bring desserts in and stuff like that, after the service next week, we're going to have the gym specially uh, prepared and decorated. We're going to have our fellowship in there, our coffee in there afterwards, and just a time to really fellowship and share together, and also to, uh, to bless and talk with Pastor Fraz and family. There will be a photo booth set up in there as well to get pictures taken and pictures with Pastor or your friends and family. On Saturday, March 16th, Heartland Youth and Young Adult Warriors are hosting a March Break Madness three on three basketball tournament outreach event here at Heartland. And trust me, that is all one sentence. Okay, and uh, that's for ages uh, 15 and up. The cost is $80 per team, pizza and pop uh, for each team, medals, trophies uh, for first prize team. Deadline is March 11th. Contact Pastor Mark to register your three-on-three team. Now, if you forgot anything that I have said, please uh, make sure you check your email. We do send out a weekly email with announcements and updates. And uh, if you don't have that, you can you know, get connected at Connect at a churchconnected.ca. Here we go. Ushers, I'm going to invite you to come forward. We want to thank you for your faithfulness in, uh, in giving. And uh, January, uh, John also sent in the email that we had a great uh, January as far as offering. So we want to thank you. But he also wanted to encourage you just to, to keep that coming so that we can just have a good start to the year. All right? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you God, for your many blessings, your goodness upon us. And Lord, we just pray that you would take this offering, that you would use it, the tithes that are yours, the gifts that we give, that God, you would use it for your glory. Bless them and the giver, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: We have introduced it before a couple of times, but it's always awesome good to introduce you again. Uh, pastor, give it for Pastor Joel, will you? Pastor Joel is our regional director, formerly pastor here, and an uh, all-around nice guy, and uh, we're really <laughs> glad to have you here. We'll be doing even more introductions, and uh, I've known Pastor Joel for a couple of years now. Uh, I've known the person you're gonna introduce many, many more here. And so, uh, yeah, it's like a family reunion almost, but anyway, God is good, and the Lord's going to speak through you, my friend, and so uh, blessings to you today as you bring the word.
4: Thank you, Pastor Fraz, appreciate that. Good morning, Heartland. Good, morning. good to see you. Uh, look forward to being back next week to honor the Mirza family for all that they have done, which is much uh, love them dearly and been praying for them and been praying for you. As you journey through this uh, season of transition, uh, you need to know that you are part of a a larger body, a larger family uh, called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. In particular, uh, you're part of the Western Ontario District, which is approximately 350 churches in Western Ontario. And uh, I have a great honor to serve the churches in the greater Toronto area, and uh, in that Region in this region, we have about 130 churches. You're one of the 130, and about three to 400 pastors. And uh, it is a joy to be here today. It really is. I have been praying for you. I've been praying for this morning uh, that the Lord would uh, just encourage you and uh, lift your spirits, and yeah, youth, I believe, children, you can go. Look at that. It's all (laughs) happening. I thought, man, I haven't even started. They're already walking out. Uh, Yeah, so as part of uh, you being part of this family, uh, when churches go into transition, uh, we are here to serve you. You are not alone. We're here to bless you. We're here to provide Uh, pastors in transition as your leadership team searches for your next lead pastor. And so this morning is part of that. I want to welcome uh, Pastor Scott Doggart and Kathy Doggart uh, to Heartland Church Connected. And so, Pastor Scott, would you make your way up? Would you welcome Pastor Scott? And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Pastor Scott and Kathy. Thank you so much for being here uh, today. Pastor Scott, Uh, comes as your transition pastor, which means he's here just in between you finding your long-term pastor. So he's not going to be your next lead pastor, uh, but will be your transition pastor to serve you in the next few months. And so let me tell you a little bit about Pastor Scott, and then he's going to share Uh, Some words of greetings. First of all, Pastor Scott has 40-plus years of ministry experience, and so when I met with your leadership team, we talked about the different characteristics that they would want in a transition pastor, and I believe we've found one of our very best to serve you. He's been married for 41 years uh, with Kathy. Currently, Kathy serves as a vice principal of an elementary uh, school called Brampton Christian uh, School in Brampton, of course. And the Doggerts have three children, all of whom are married, and they have three granddaughters. Um, Pastor Scott is a well-educated man. He loves the Word of God. And so you can be assured that when you come to church in the next few months, you are going to hear the Word of the Lord. He uh, studied uh, in uh, Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. He then went on to Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary where he got a master's degree there. Then later on, got a master's degree at Wycliffe College right here in the city of Toronto. And he's pastored in several churches over the, the many years of ministry. For example, Stone Church, right in the heart of our city of Toronto. Uh, both Kathy and Scott have also uh, been missionaries to Thailand. Uh, they spent a bulk of their ministry there as well and have pastored in churches in Brampton, London, Burlington, and most recently have served uh, our district as one of our regional directors and has served in our district for about 18 plus years. And so uh, Pastor Scott's going to start on March the firth, 4th, uh, which is uh, not this Monday, but the next He's going to be serving you on a part-time basis, uh, working with the team that's already here, which is a fantastic team. And so, uh, without further ado, Pastor Scott, why don't you come, share a few words of greetings to the church, and then I'll ask the board if you can already start making your way up because we want to pray for Pastor Scott.
5: Well, good morning, one and all. It is indeed an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. I've entered into a new phase of life recently and therefore Kathy, my wife, has entered into that phase as well. The phase of retirement. I retired officially on January the 1st, 2024. And about five weeks after that I was sitting in a Tim Hortons, of course that's where us retired guys go, right, (laughs) Tim Hortons? Sitting there doing a New York Times crossword puzzle. And uh, if you know the New York Times crossword puzzle, they are incredibly difficult. And so at one point in time, having not really gotten any of the answers, I just looked up and I said, you know what, I I think I'm going to need something else to do. I really do. And maybe a week later, Pastor Joel called me and presented me with the possibility of serving as your transition pastor. And as he spoke those words, there was a sense of excitement in my heart. And uh, following that, I have had opportunity to meet with your board and then with your staff, and it's been absolutely delightful. So it's an honor and a pleasure to serve in this role. Something I would ask of you is that you would pray for Kathy and I as the Lord brings you to mind. This is my first gig as a transition pastor. I'm a rookie. You're the guinea pig trying <laughs> me out. So after two weeks, if it's going so, just let Pastor Joel know and we're gone. I'll continue with my New York Times cross puzzle. How would that be? Pray for us, please. And we'll be praying for you and your team daily as well. It's been my privilege to know to a certain degree all of your pastors Uh, Your founding pastor, Pastor Calvin Hansinger, continues to be a dear friend to this day along with his family, his wife and his children are just tremendous people and very special to Kathy and I and our children and then of course Pastor Joel, uh, got to know him in a great way in the past five years so it is not a surprise to me uh, knowing your leadership uh, that this is just a great church and a great sense of God's spirit here and it's wonderful. Likewise, Pastor Fraz, uh, very significant points in his life. I've been able to connect with great joy with him, and uh, that is the case today as well. I've got great news for you. The word of the Lord tells you that Heartland, the Church Connected, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for you to walk in. So, Pastor Fraz, you are God's workmanship, created to work, walk in the works that God has prepared before the beginning of time. Likewise, all of you at Heartland and your families, Pastor Joel, board and staff, we're on a journey together and it's Kathy's and my honor to be part of this portion, a brief portion of the journey with you. So thanks Pastor Joel Amen. for the invitation, Amen. board for the approval, staff for being so nice. <laughs> so here we are.
4: Yeah, <laughs> You will see that, uh, yeah. Lord, why don't you come? We want to pray for for you uh, right now. And so if you're comfortable to extend your hand towards Pastor Scott this morning, that would be amazing. And uh, he and Kathy will be out in the foyer later on, just would love to say hello. And so let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for Pastor Scott. Thank you for Kathy, thank you for their lives, thank you for their willingness to serve such an amazing church right here in Mississauga that we call Heartland. Lord, we pray that you would give him continued wisdom and skill and ability and and that there would be such synergy right from the get-go, that there would be a beautiful unity among transition pastor and board and staff and congregant and ultimately a community who who is in need of of a Savior. Lord, that's why we're here. And so, God, I pray that you would bless this unity. We know that your scripture says that when brothers and sisters dwell in unity, you command your blessing. And so, Lord, we pray that that would be so at Heartland, a church connected. And so, Lord, I commission Pastor Scott today as a transition pastor of Heartland. May he preach the word in season and out of season to correct. Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone says, Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. So, the word of the Lord today, uh, I have been uh, praying and thinking, and uh, there's been some thoughts that the Lord put in my heart, to be honest. for our churches uh, for about a year now. And it's been uh, one of those things where I have um, prayed through these thoughts. I haven't preached this message yet. Uh, This is uh, a first time to preach this message that I believe God has put on my heart for you and for our churches, uh, not only here in the greater Toronto area, but perhaps in our nation. Our nation needs Jesus. Jesus and God has called you and this congregation to play a key role in the spiritual climate of our nation. And so this morning, I entitled my message to the church in Canada. And uh, these are not my words, and I don't want these to be seen as my words, but we're going to go right into the word of the Lord because I believe Jesus has some things to say to the church of Canada. Uh, He has said it uh, in many ways, to the seven churches of Revelation, and and that's where we're going to go today, is the seven churches of Revelation. These were real churches, uh, with real leaders, with real people, uh, and he was speaking specifically to these specific seven churches. And and when he spoke to the churches, he had some strengths to highlight about the church, and he had some areas where perhaps they needed to grow. But this morning, I'm not going to delve into those strengths and weaknesses because that's a teaching series in itself. But, but it's interesting to me that Jesus, before he goes into his evaluation and assessment mode of these seven churches of Revelation, he always starts the conversation with each church, highlighting an aspect of his, of his character. An aspect of his attributes. Because he wanted to, to, them to know that he wasn't just some consultant or some church growth consultant. He was Jesus. He was the son of God. He is and was the head of the church. And so he reminded them by, re, by, by reflecting and, and highlighting some of his attributes and some of his characteristics. You see, the book of Revelation includes Jesus communicating to seven churches in today's western Turkey region who were struggling with their faithfulness to Christ. You see, the Roman way of life, the secular way of life in that day was penetrating these churches. So the prophet named John Spoke out against Rome's impact, and someone who was well connected to Rome didn't like what John had to say. So they captured him and brought him to an island called Patmos and put him in prison. And it was there that John began to encounter the Lord in a powerful way. It was there where the Lord began to communicate some critical truths via John to the church. And I believe not just to the churches of Revelation, but to the church of today, to the church of Canada. And so these words of the Lord in the book of Revelation, these words are inspired by the Lord. And they continue to be relevant for the church today. You see, the book of Revelation in itself is one of those kind of interesting books. It's got a whole lot of uh, dynamics going on and, and explosions and this and dragons. And I mean, it is, there's a lot of activity. The book of Revelation, I would say, calls Christians around the world. To be a group of dissident followers of Christ amidst a Babylonian world and mindset. Now, when you hear the word Babylonian, many ways in the scriptures, the Babylonians uh, were a secular people, but it went beyond that. It's a mindset. It's a mindset that is anti-God. And so when you hear me say a Babylonian mindset, I'm referring to a world that has pushed Christianity and more importantly, has pushed Christ to the fringes of our lives. And so we, as dissident followers of Jesus, are to be made aware of this Babylonian mindset. We need to develop discernment to know what is right and what is wrong. And so John writes in this milieu. John, in many ways, has, has his eyes on the evil powers that are at work in the empire, as well as those same powers that are at work in the church. In many ways, John sees a lot of Rome in the church, but not enough church in Rome, <laughs> And so he writes to these churches, and, 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 and when I say God's calling us to be dissident followers of Christ, I'm not talking about angry, uh, you know, disrespectful people. No, I'm talking about dissidents that actually believe that the world can be changed by Christ, that we can embody the characteristics of Christ and bring light where there is darkness. We're people of heaven, and we are rehearsing what heaven is going to be be like here on earth. And we actually believe that with the power of Jesus, we can make crooked ways straight in a Babylonian world. Let me illustrate it this way. Like a fish in water, the way of Babylon is nearly invisible for the one swimming in it. In many ways, that's us. We are living in a Babylonian context in our nation. We live in a secular nation. And we swim in that every day as we go to school and, and, and live our lives in our communities and attend our universities and go to work. And so it is that much more critical to be able to heighten the ability to discern what is the narrow way that Jesus calls us to walk as opposed to the broad path that many choose to walk and travel upon. And so Jesus speaks to these churches of Revelation. And like I said, he highlights an attribute of who he is to each church that he speaks to. Let's start Jesus to the church in Ephesus and Sardis. He speaks and reminds them of 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 an attribute in both churches that are similar. He says in Revelations 2.1, he says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And so as he speaks to Ephesus and Sardis, these specific people at this specific time, before he gives them their strengths and their areas of growth, he says, I want you to know this, and I don't ever want you to forget it, that I am the Jesus who holds you. Now I want you to think about that. You see, in the original language, this, this, this imagery of, of Jesus holding us is, is this imagery that, that his hand completely engulfs us, that it completely covers us, that we are secure in the hand of Jesus. We're not just hanging on by the skin of our teeth. We're, we're, we're not just kind of barely there. We're about to fall off the edge. No, no. Jesus has the church securely located in the palm of his hand. And there's nothing that will ever separate us from the love of Jesus, for it is deep, it is wide. And not only if if, if he's holding the church in his hand, he's holding you in his hand, because churches are not just buildings, they're not just some organization, they are people. He holds you in the palm of his hand, fully secure, fully protected. And then he says to them, not only do I hold you, but I walk among you. See, Jesus is right here right now. He's not behind some tomb. He's, he's not, uh, you know, having a tough time because of the, of the Babylonian mindset. He's not kind of, in handcuffs, trying to run the universe. No, no, he is fully alive and in charge. He is sovereign over your life and over the future of your church because he's Jesus. He's the head of the church. This was his idea. So not only do I hold you, but I walk among you. No matter the challenges that you face, no matter where you are in the life cycle as an individual, whether you're in the early stages of life or whether you're in adolescence or whether you're in your prime or or whether you're, you're coming on the other side of it like Pastor Scott and you're in retirement mode or you're an empty nester, whatever it is, Jesus will hold you right to the last day of your life, and then life actually starts again. <laughs> and so does he walk with churches no matter where they are in their life cycle. You see, some of our churches are just starting. They're, they're just being birthed. Their church plants and others are just in the early childhood area, uh, season and, and others are, are in their prime and they're, they're running at all cylinders and others have, have crested that and they're on the downward crest. But God is able to redevelop churches. Why? Because he holds you in his hand. Because he walks among you. When Jesus walks in the room, everything changes the fact that Christ walks among us is to understand that the presence of the risen Christ is in every Bible-believing, Christ-centered church. It's his presence and his power that that, that is not just confined to one church, but, but he achieves this, this real unity within the churches. And among these churches, we must think of the Christ who unites us, and, and we need to Put away the things that we, 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 we disagree with because Jesus is at the helm. He holds us and he walks among us. And knowing he is among us, oh, it should encourage us. It should add a level of security. It, it assuredly should add a level of protection. We know that no weapon formed against us will prosper because he's among us. We can know that we can have peace even when our circumstances are less than peaceful. When things seem vulnerable, we can have peace because Jesus walks among us. We can have stability. We can have comfort. We can have purpose because Jesus holds and walks among. To the church of Ephesus and Sardis, don't ever forget that. To the church of Heartland, the church connected, don't ever forget it. In the days ahead, be reminded, he holds you securely and he walks among you. To the church of Smyrna, it's interesting how Jesus uh, begins to speak to the church of Smyrna. He says these words in Revelations 2 8. He says, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. See, when, it, when Jesus introduces himself to these wonderful brothers and sisters, he highlights the fact that he is the first and the last who died and came to life again. He is drawing their attention to the power of his resurrection. See, Jesus had a reason for mentioning this fact to the church of Smyrna. You see, the name Smyrna was equated with myrrh. And just like myrrh requires crushing to release that sweet perfume of its fragrance, the church of Smyrna would continue to be crushed through adversity. However, Jesus wanted to remind them that their sufferings would actually anoint them For a Christ-like death and burial that would then result in an eternal resurrected life. If we were the people of Smyrna who were suffering persecution and our Jesus, who's the head of the church, comes and reminds us that he is the first and the last, that I defeated death on the cross by arising from the dead after three days, that you who have Christ in you have the resurrection power that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Perhaps, perhaps this is why Paul wrote the words in 2 Corinthians 4. He said this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in the body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in us in you. Church of Smyrna, Jesus says, I know you're suffering. I know what you're dealing with, but I want to give you some hope. And the hope is, I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. And though I died on a cross, I arose from the dead so that you can have life today. To the church of Pergamum, Revelations 2.12, Jesus reminds them of this. These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Jesus comes to Pergamum with a sword, a double-edged one. It's interesting that he comes to Pergamum with a double-edged sword. It's interesting to note that Pergamum boasted a library of about 200,000 volumes now in those days that was a massive amount of volumes it was the epicenter of 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 philosophy and education and 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 human knowledge and so He comes to Pergamum, the ones who understood books, who read books, who dialogued about the philosophies of this world, and yet they had rejected God's written words. They had rejected the wisdom of Christ. Now, friends, remember, he's talking to the church. So somehow, Pergamum's milieu, Babylonian mindset, had infiltrated Pergamum. And they had begun to to doubt or push to the sidelines the truth of God's word, the importance of God's word. And so Jesus comes to Pergamum with a double-edged sword. You see, Christ commanded John to describe him as possessing the sharp double-edged sword. The description reminds the church that Jesus wields more power and authority than any government official who wields the sword of justice in Asia on behalf of Rome. Do you believe that God is still more powerful than any ideology in our world? Do we believe that the word of God is still the double-edged sword that splits and divides? These verses use the the Greek word typically implying the large, broad swords used by Roman soldiers. He uses something that they would have understood. This is a weapon of offense, meant to separate and slash. Jesus' words are able to pierce paganism and destroy the works of Satan and the things, it seems as though, as the prophet said, would happen. The things that are wrong are seen as right and the things that are right are seen as wrong. How do we get through this, friends, in a secular nation like Canada? The word of the Lord, which comes as a double-edged sword. I believe more than ever we need to be people of the Word of God. We need to be people that meditate on the Word day and night. If we do not have truth coming in and we're swimming in the waters of Babylon, we are going to drown in it. The other day I, I uh, saw my son, one of my sons, pack up. It was probably about 5.30 a.m. and I see him put his Bible in his backpack. And I was going to make a comment, but you know, young adults, you just got to give them space, right? And so off he went. And I kind of tucked it away and, and I kept seeing him do this. And so in a casual moment, I said, hey, Lucas, I saw you, you bring in your Bible. And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, on my breaks after one of my classes, and he attends Schulich Business School and at York University. And he says, I'll, I sit in the back of the lecture hall and, and I'll do my devotions. And I said, Lucas, that's awesome. I, I didn't realize you were doing that. And kind of nonchalant tells me what he's doing. And he said, Dad, you know what the weird thing is? I said, yeah, what, what, what's going on? And he said, I, as I was reading it to myself, some other students noticed and they have since asked me the end of every class, to read the word out loud. And so, that actually, there's about eight students now that remind me, make sure you bring your Bible to class. And, that all I do is read out loud the word of the Lord. And they're asking me questions, Dad. And they're Buddhist, and they're Muslim, and he says, one is an atheist, and but they're asking me to read it. <laughs> and, and then another day he says, Dad, you wouldn't believe this girl. I always saw her kind of sitting in the front after class. And she would stay there while I, we were in the back and I was reading. And, and today she made her way up the lecture hall and she introduced herself. She says, you know, I, for weeks I've been sitting in the front staying just to hear you read the word of God. Can I join the group? You, do you know what this tells me? I think Amos eight eleven gives us a hint. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Hmm. Church of Pergamum i know all the volumes that are in your city (laughs) but i also come to you with a double-edged sword it will pierce it will divide it will speak life there is a famine in the land and there is desperation for the word of god to the church of thyatira Revelations 2.18, Jesus comes to Thyatira and he says these words to them. He says, these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. It's interesting that he comes to Thyatira with eyes that are blazing and with feet like burnished bronze. Eyes are like blazing fire. What does that mean? It means that Jesus sees right into your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows why you say and do what you do. He comes with blazing, fiery eyes. I don't know about you, but... knowing that truth kind of puts a little bit of the fear of the Lord in me, <laughs> that I can stand in front of a group like this and, and talk religiously and look the part, but God knows my thoughts. He knows my every thought. You know, we need to know this, that although that at times we're, we're limited to understand others, <laughs> We're limited to figure things out of the circumstances around us, but be rest assured that God knows everything. He knows every conversation. He knows every thought because he comes with eyes like fire. Now, sometimes we can hear those words and we might say, ah, I hope this person down the hallway really hears this from Pastor Joel. (laughs) That they know that his fiery eyes are on them. Oh boy, I wonder if our response rather should be like the psalmist in 139, search me, search me, oh God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Sometimes we get anxious because of circumstances. Know those anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me to the way of everlasting. You see, when Jesus comes with fiery eyes, don't be quick to think about others, but be quick to say, God, where's my heart? I can't control what others do or say or think, but I will be held accountable for what I think and do and say. And so, Lord, please search me. (laughs) Test my every thought, test my motives. See if there's any offensive way in me. Could you imagine a church that's filled with that kind of introspection about our own hearts? Oh, it'll create an environment of transformation. Psalm 19, I tend to read this often and recite it. Verse 14: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, may it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Mm. See, I tend to be an emotional guy. I mean, I'm Italian. And some of you have seen me wear my emotions on my sleeve over the years. But I have learned, and I've thanked God for helping me grow. i got to filter my emotions. (laughs) And I need to come before the Lord and say, God, search me. I feel this, and I want to react this way. And I've learned that after I go through a, a posture of reflection that all of a sudden tend to be more compassionate, more humble, more uh, less reactionary, and more patient. He comes to Thyatira with eyes like fire, but then he says, I also come to you with feet like bronze. This is a, a reflection of the strength and splendor of our God. You know that our God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. There is nothing that is greater than God. No, no, lib- no political party, sorry. <laughs> that was not meant to come out. Forgive me. Lord, test me. <laughs> He, he, is, he is greater than all of that. And that's what he's reminding these churches, that though you live in a Babylonian context, though you live among kings who rule heavily, I'm in charge. <laughs> I, I come with feet like burnished bronze. Hmm. Makes me think of Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name. In all the Earth, you have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against you. stars and yet as great as he is he's he knows your name how majestic are you oh god you come in splendor so church of Thyatira don't forget this I got the eyes and I see and I also come in strength and in splendor when we think about our Jesus that way there should be this response of awe Lord, I come to church because I bow the knee, and I give you praise, and I give you glory. Lord, may may I have reverence for you because you are holy. You are pure. I don't want to dishonor you, Lord, by by my words or my actions. I want to please you. May my life be a sweet aroma to you. Yes, the church is made up of people that fall short. I'm the first, (laughs) We don't have it all together, yet we must never forget that we are part of a body of Christ that Jesus died for, and he's still in charge, and he comes with feet that are bronze and eyes that are fiery. To the church of Philadelphia, Revelations 3-7, he says, these are the words of him who is holy and true. Do you hear that? He is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. Did you hear that? What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open that. No one. Hmm. To the church of Philadelphia, Jesus identifies himself as holy and true. These two characteristics together are very significant. Because Jesus is holy, he cannot lie. Therefore, he is both holy and true. You can bank on his words. (laughs) You don't need to wonder if what he says is accurate or whether he's going to follow through because he is holy and he is true. And just like Jesus opened the doors of opportunity for the church of Philadelphia, he can open the doors of opportunity for Heartland, a church connected, and nothing and no one will stop it. And he will shut out the enemies of God because he's got the key of David. Church of Philadelphia, church of Heartland, a church connected. Don't forget this. He holds the key of David. He is holy and he is true. And finally, to the church of Laodicea, Revelations 3.14, he comes to them and he says, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the rule of God's creation. Jesus identifies himself as the amen, the faithful and true witness, And the beginning of God's creation, the amen indicates that he is God's perfect and final revelation. He is the perfect and final revelation. He is a reliable witness. Our God is in control. Further, Jesus is the originator of God's creation. In his gospel, John testifies all things were made through Jesus Without Jesus was not anything made that was made. Our God is in control of all creation. If he sustains all of creation, assuredly he will sustain the Church of Canada. I conclude with these words, and we're going to, worship team, you can begin to play. What a beautiful name it is. Jesus. See, there is but one Lord and one head over all the church. His name is Jesus, the Lamb, the Lord. Scott McKnight, in his book entitled Revelation for the Rest of Us, he said these words, the church is neither a democracy where each person votes, although there's aspects of that, and that's what makes the church so unique nor is it a monarchy with changing human leaders the church is a mutual indwelling body of different persons living together under christ the lord the lamb the logos the light you see in our local context the pastors the elders the deacons the members the adherents are all called to submit first to christ and to nurture others into serving one another as Jesus himself served his disciples. Barman put it this way. I love this thought. The church is a Christocracy of siblings. <laughs> a Christocracy of siblings, not a hierarchy of powers. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so Heartland, to the church of Heartland, be reminded of this. This. Jesus holds you and he walks among you. Jesus is the first and the last. He's the one who died and came to life again. Jesus comes with a sharp double edged sword. His eyes are like blazing fire and his feet are like burnished bronze. He's holy and he's true. He holds the key of David. Jesus is ruler of God's creation. Jesus is the amen, the faithful and true witness and everyone says amen to that. Amen to that. Would you stand with us this morning? I want you to begin to sing these words on the screen. Worship this amazing Jesus that is at the head of the church. What a beautiful name. It is true that Jesus has no rival. Let us worship you you go. We want to pray a prayer of benediction over you. I want to ask Pastor Scott to come. God has no rival. Yes. Heartland, it's going to be okay. He is sitting on the throne and he walks among you and holds you in the palm of his hands. Pastor Scott, would you share and pray a prayer of benediction over us today?
5: Thank you, Pastor Joel. Heartland family, as you go about the Lord's leading yes. this week. Yes, May you remember that you serve the God that does more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you today and tomorrow and the days to come until we gather together again. So may this God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus,
4: yes, the great
5: shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing it in his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him. So the Lord bless you and keep you cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May our Lord actually turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you. Amen.
4: Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day.